Welcome to Inside the Founder Studio. We're a podcast dedicated to uncovering the grit that make founders, entrepreneurs, and innovative thinkers tick in one of the most crucial industries on the planet, supply chain. To learn more, you can check us out at InsideTheFounderStudio.com. But for now, I'll hand it to our host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to Inside the Founder Studio. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're interviewing Nicole Glenn. So it is Nicole Glenn and the Candor Expedite story. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is great. Now, I know I interviewed you once on the logistics of logistics. We talked about relationships, mm-hmm. and I know you're very good at that, but I know you're also very good at Candor Expedite. So please introduce yourself and your company. Hi, everybody. Again, Nicole Glenn. I'm the owner of Candor Expedite. It is a company that was started in 2017 with the mindset of Expedite and White Glove Service. We have two locations currently. Headquarters has now actually just moved down to Plano, Texas, but we have a location in Joliet, Illinois, and have some other up our sleeve tricks on some other locations that we're going to be opening in the next year or two. So we are a service company that's focused on, like Joe said, relationships, understanding what we can do to elevate our customers and give them the special tool belt that they could just pull out or hit a button and we're there to help rescue a shipment, help them save time, understand their account to create that familiarity so they can move on with their day and really just elevate our clients to the next level. So who do you serve? Who's your kind of your ideal client, your sweet spot? You know what? It's funny because most industries, even though a lot of people aren't aware of this, do service or have the need for expedited services. So when we started the company, it was a lot of freight forwarding clients that we were working with. A great customer because they are handling all sorts of different commodities, different customer requirements, you know. Inbound, outbound, domestically, export, import. But we're starting to shift over to the manufacturing side of the business. And oh, all yeah. Verticals. So, I mean, we do a lot of food type clients. We do healthcare, pharmaceutical, aerospace. So, I mean, I could keep going with right. verticals of that. Yeah, since I worked in automotive and I, when I was at a 3PL, we had a whole bunch of automotive clients and Boy, come launch season, you do some heavy-duty expediting. And I remember one night, I said, it was right when I got there, I said, please have all the after-hour phone calls come to me. I want to understand what's happening at night. And I expect like one or two. And usually that was like the way it was going. So I was like, so I'd have a chance to talk to new customers. And then one night, there was 11 expedites from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I had to manage them. <laughs> and I started really appreciating how good my team was. That was us too. When we started, we didn't have that night crew. So I would do what you did. And it's funny, I had a big meeting at nine o'clock the next day and I woke up and I was like, I was kind of prepping and I was like, God, I'm tired. I go, I don't. And I was like, because I was up all night, the phone kept ringing. It was like, a, I was like a zombie. I just pick up the phone and start dealing with this. Like, oh. Yeah, we had this new customer. I mean, this is when we first were going and we got this new client. And so they would call almost every night at like nine o'clock. Oh, and good, good customer. Booking my, I would do it myself, that grit part when you own a company, right? And I would be booking that freight and coming home at one o'clock in the morning and then felt like I needed to get back in the morning. 
Right. And, you know, I wanted to make sure it was picked up. I wanted to make sure it was good. So that's the starting fun part, you know, when you're trying to learn all of that stuff and get things in place that you have to deal with for sure. Right. Yeah. So you've done a lot with freight forwarders, a lot with manufacturing and those. So it's not so much necessarily a vertical as much as this, you know, can I partner with these people? Right. It's got to be the right. Yeah. Yeah. Right thinking guys, my boss used to say, I want to work with right thinking people, people who align. There's always something funky that comes up for someone, you know, and they always have a need for a last minute recovery, like an LTL goes wrong or something just happens. And I like to be that person that, you know, they know they can call last minute and go. When it's on fire, call Nicole. Right. Can you just just get this done? And again, it's making them have the ability to have that balance of life too, because I think as companies get going forward, there's constantly this dumping of additional roles on people that they have to manage. And so it's nice to be able to say, hey, go home. Right. Go see your kids. I got this. You don't have to worry about it. Go to bed at night too. I think when it comes to expedites, it's a crazy thing because usually that's they're expediting because it's hot. There's this on fire. And then people really struggle to feel comfortable with, because I think we've all been burned that way where you're like, yes, yeah, somebody's going to pick it up and don't worry, it'll be at your customer by first thing tomorrow morning. And then you get in the morning and realize they did not do what they said they were going to do. So you get in that mode of, you know, especially with somebody new, like I better call them every half hour <laughs> to make sure that they're doing what they said they're going to do. You have to soothe the ruffled feathers that are coming with that business. But I think for, because I've been doing the expedited side of things for 20 years now, I kind of know that that is how it's going to be. So I just tell them up front, like, hey, if you want me to text you, my team to text you, we can do that. We tailor that. So that way they get that comfortable feeling right away because there's nothing worse than that. Like carrying that all night, like, all right, I don't know them and I could lose my job if this doesn't get here tomorrow. Yep. I have a friend who uh, is an investment counselor and he said, it's about 20% investing, about 80% counselor. You should put a counselor title on your people over there, Nicole. (laughs) 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 Say say when somebody calls in, you don't actually need an update. You actually need to talk to our crisis person. (laughs) Right. You can vent all you want. It's just someone that keeps going, I understand. I understand. (laughs) So let's get into this. Oh, but I should also mention, I've known Nicole for a few years and I met her when we were working on, well, we're still working on updating your website. We will launch the new website soon through my friends over at Sun Interactive. And I think I introduced you to Ryan Schreiber. Yes. And then when I told Ryan, we're doing this podcast together inside the Founder Studio. So we're interviewing different founders of these companies. And yesterday I text or last night I text Ryan that I'm interviewing Nicole and he said, Oh, <laughs> great. You're going to hog all the good ones or something like that. So Ryan, I'm done interviewing you. So maybe you'll have to get interviewed twice. Nicole. I would love that because I was, I was actually going to say with Ryan, we've started conversating and he's become one of those people that very blunt, very, very nice, but blunt. <laughs> oh no! But in a, it's like I hang up and I go, "Okay, yeah." You know, and I think that's a big thing. He's got great insights. Great yeah. insights for and, for a business owner to be able to bounce those ideas off of somebody, and they tell you the truth with no sugarcoating, and it helps. Right. No, he's helped me along the same line. So great guy. And again, he wanted to interview you. So let's get into this. So we understand you've got Candor Expedite. When did you start the company? 
It was actually the day before my birthday. So May 6th in 2017. Nice, nice. So we'll get into your career highlights here in a minute. But first off, let's talk about where you grew up and where you went to school and all that. So where'd you grow up as a kid? I grew up in Naperville, Illinois. So I was actually, there was this humongous high school that was built at like all these news articles were written about it all over the country. It was called Neuqua Valley and I was the first class that got to graduate from this high school. So it's so funny when I meet anyone and they go, where are you from? I say Naperville. They could be from Alaska and they're like, oh, I know, I know Naperville. I got a cousin there. Yeah, I used to drive through it because I have family over in Wisconsin. And I don't remember stopping in it because I always think when, before when we talked about Naperville, I always think, isn't that where the outlet malls are? But it's not that. But yeah, I remember it's somewhere near Chicagoland. (laughs) And I always think when you're driving through Chicagoland over to Wisconsin, you're always just saying, what are the bad exits? That's all you care about. Like, <laughs> make sure I don't get a bad exit that's hard to get back on the expressway. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. I am one of three children, so I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. So mm-hmm. we're kind of split now amongst the country. So my brother's still in Illinois. My sister's husband works for the railroad, so in transportation as well. Nice. And they are in Nebraska. So my parents are retired snowbirds are actually staying with us right now. They wanted to escape the inches of snow that they just got. And they came down to stay with us where it's nice and warm, Texas. Yeah, I'm in Michigan, so not too four and a half hours over to Chicagoland. And I remember when my kids were young, they would always say, when we grow up, we're going to move to Chicago. It's such a cool city. I was like, you know, it's just as cold as here. Yeah, (laughs) You can't go there. Look at the Carolinas. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff to do in the Uh summer, for sure. I love it there. So were you always entrepreneurial as a kid? Did you work hard? Yes. I always, I think back now, I look at some of those traits of myself from when I was 16 and 17 and I was 15 when I got my first job. One of my good friends, mom, she would go to one of those retail stores and we would like reset these stores. And I was making $10 an hour, Joe, at the age of 15. I felt like you yeah, know, billionaire. I'm going to quit school. Yeah. yeah. So I, I loved that idea. I loved getting money. It was great. I mean, my parents, we had, I mean, we were good. Nothing was terrible. We had, I had a great upbringing with that, but you know, they had bills to pay. They had normal life to live. They had mortgage and all that stuff. So there wasn't just tons of handouts to us. And when I started making money, I'm like, Ooh, this is kind of cool. So then in high school, I really took off and had two jobs at the same time to try to make as much money as I could. And my friends used to pull up. I used to, I would say I had two guy jobs. I worked in a hardware store and an automotive store. (laughs) And I went into the man, I guess you could say at the time of the year 2000 industry of transportation at the time. But yeah, I always loved to work. It's just been ingrained. And even my dad, when I was 18, 19, I was like, dad, let's open some subways. Let's, I probably scared the crap out of him. Cause I was always like, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. And he always thought he's like, look into it. And I did, but I never did anything with any of that stuff. But, but you're always kind of driven and you always enjoyed your work. I think that's something I'm hearing. And, you know, from other people I've interviewed entrepreneurs, it's interesting because when we're talking offline about this, as the world becomes wealthier, we always kind of want to give our kids more. And go, oh, no, you don't have to work, honey. I'll just give you money. And then you realize, you know, as you get a little older, you're like, ooh, that's a mistake. Because so many successful people like yourself, 
you really gain so much more than the money. The money's long gone by now. You blew it on cool Amber Crombie and Fitch stuff. So. Yes, that's what I spent all my money on. And great Taco Bell. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but the but money's long gone, but the lessons are still there. So you went to this high school after school. Did you go run off to college? I actually got offered my first transportation job right away. Like I was working in that automotive store and this guy came in and offered me a job. And so he was going to actually pay me quite a bit more. I think it was like $13 an hour, you know, and I'm like, uh, yeah. So I went and worked for him during the day. And then I was in community college at night. Yeah, I did that route. (laughs) I did that route. It eventually stopped because I started thinking that, wow, I do so well in freight at, you know, $50,000 a year. I don't need to do this college thing. But I did go back. After I had my daughter, I realized that I wanted, I couldn't make my kids do something that I hadn't done. So I walked into this school. It was for adults. So I didn't even qualify. My age wasn't, I wasn't old enough. But I asked them, I'm like, can I please come here? I have a child you know, and this is what I want to do. I want to be able to graduate and tell my kids like, Hey, you could do whatever you try to achieve. That was a big, that's a big thing. Even today lessons to my kids. But then I also, again, like I said, I didn't want to say you have to go to college and then them go, well, you didn't. Right. Right. And I ended up falling in love with school, Joe, as an adult going to college was, I miss it now. I want to go back. Yeah, I went to school at night school from age 19. So I went one year full time and I went from age 19 to age 37 at night school. Yeah. I mean, I had my undergrad, and my master's though. And I kind of wonder, like, though, would I bother now, knowing what I know now? Would I bother? <laughs> but because my current employer doesn't care. <laughs> but I'm glad from my kids' perspective, it's easy to, easier to say, get your butt to school. So, what about sports? Do you play sports when you're a kid? I started to, I was on the softball team and then it turned to work. So, so you're more driven work-wise. I stopped trying out for everything and I loved soccer. I stopped all of that and I just started working. Cool. And so you, you started to allude to that first job. What was your first logistics job again? I know you told me this before. When yeah, we I was talked supposed before. to just be an admin. You know, I, I worked in this really, really small company. There was three men. And you were recruited out of the hardware store. Yeah. Yeah. No, the auto parts. Yeah. I was, I was a cashier and he, I remembered something weird. And so he's like, come on, come work for me. I'm like, this is weird. Who does that? But you were excellent at auto parts. You would be perfect for for my logistics company. There you go. So it was just a entry level, like, Hey, can you help me answer phones? Can you do some filing? Can you fix this and that? And then it turned into me telling the owner, like, why are we doing this all paper? Let's get an accounting system. So I got us on Peachtree accounting software at the time. And, you know, we high would, tech. yeah, we would handwrite Raycons, like pretty much on a, uh, just a white sheet of paper at, at the beginning. And I learned, I was like, let's do this on Excel and let's, let's do that. And so then I started just changing the very foundational things, the basics, I guess you could say, in that company. And I I loved it. And I started brokering and started having relationships with carriers as well as shippers. And it was an awesome starting job for me. I learned so much. And it's nice to go to a small company like that where you really get thrown right into the mix. Oh, yeah. But it's also... The kid. (laughs) Right, the kid. (laughs) But it's also kind of tells a little bit about your personality that you were even as a young person saying, hey, I'm going to jump in and improve this. Because 
a lot of times as a young person, you kind of, and I've, I've had this both ways where you feel empowered to go make great things happen. Other times you're like, I better just keep my big mouth shut. Yeah. And so it's nice that you felt empowered and maybe you were, maybe you weren't. I sometimes feel like you become empowered because you, you said so, right? Yeah. I mean, they were open to it because Good they were once doing the handwritten invoices. And I'm like, Hey, I can do this. Give it to the kid. Yeah. Let the kid do it. <laughs> so eventually it was like, I was running this little shop. So, I mean, I was doing taking all the orders and booking all the loads and making all the appointments. I used to deliver to all the food companies like McLean food service. We actually had to pick up the phone and make an appointment. And so it was, uh, it was a really good learning experience. It created that confidence, I guess you could say. So where'd you go next? I went to a company that had an owner operator model and a brokerage. I did a lot of the backhaul. Like I had never done that before. So they had owner operators and I actually loved working with some of these drivers. I would go and try to make relationships with our actual customers and get them loads back. I started working on the DAT, like trying to build relationships with brokers. But then I also did the brokerage side of things with our customer freight. And so with that, I kind of rekindled a relationship that they had had with a pretty big shipper. And the shipper was like, you're really good to work with. And here I am like this, I think I was 21. They were like, if you leave, because they didn't, I guess they didn't like the company, whatever was happening at the company. They were like, if you leave, we will give you so much business. So here I'm like this 20 or 21 year old kid. And I'm like, I'm going to be an agent. So I went and found a company that I could be an agent for and got this contract signed for this huge company. And I was so excited. I went down to Chicago, went to this famous building to do this. And they just stopped taking my calls. So... <laughs> After I signed the contract, I quit my job. So it was uh, it was a big awakening moment. But I actually stopped being in freight for a little while after I had my daughter, and then went back in. And like they would say, I get out, and you keep pulling me back in. So, so I went back into it. So when did you start Candor Expedite? I had just left. I shouldn't say just left. I'd worked at a company that I loved for about eight years, and I decided to transition to a different company and. Started working there for about 11 months. And then I realized I just want to work for myself. And so it was one of those, you know, get put in a weird spot working at another company. And I'm just like, I think I could do this. You know, I, I love this idea. And from my previous positions, I fell in love with the concept of managing people and learning more about people and creating that value of a company with their people. Right. And so it was just like the perfect right Perfect thing for me to do. Yeah. And it's funny. I've asked this before about entrepreneurs. And when we were talking about this offline, I asked you, did you see an opportunity that you think, oh, I can do this so much better? Or did you just want autonomy? And I think you said, <laughs> I, autonomy. Just wanted, I just want to do something on my own. Yeah. It was one of those two where I felt like, and I tell this to people all the time when they ask this question, I'm like, I wanted to feel secure in my position. I didn't want to ever be replaced. I didn't want to, because I don't just go into a company and work there. I pour my soul into it. You know, I will do whatever we can. And it just, the concept of doing that and then getting let go or someone replaces you. I've lived that. I've lived that where you go, this is my heart and soul in this business. And it's funny, what I've realized over time is I don't have any other mode. If I work somewhere, it doesn't matter whether I like it or dislike it. 
great pay, bad pay, I'm all in. And then after a while, you realize that not everybody feels that way. And so you might as well be on your own if you're going to work that hard. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and it was weird because even when I had gone and done this, I would ask myself sometimes, like, when am I ever going to love my company as much as I loved where I just was, that long time company that I had been to? And it was one of those things where it's like, you have to fall in love with it. And you do over time if, if you keep putting yourself into it. But it was just one of those things where it was just time. And so what year was that? That was in 2017. So talk a little bit about what's happened since then. I know you've moved. You no longer live in Illinois. (laughs) I did. I always had some great customers down here, even as a sales rep. So I used to keep coming down to this spot and I loved it. And so I had intention, which we just opened a company called Candor Express. So our asset-based division was going to be down here without me. And I jokingly said to my husband one day, I was like, let's go down there and open that office and get that asset base side going. And he owned a landscaping company. And so I thought he would go, uh, he didn't. He goes, let's go. So I was like, okay, let's go. And so we just came down here. It's been over a year now. It was 2019, October. I remember you had just moved down there when we first started talking. So did your husband and how old are your kids? I have a 15 year old daughter and then I have twin boys who are about to be 12. Woo. Mm-hmm. And so- Hubby relocated and said, I'll start over down here in Texas. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the weather. It's all of that up there. And it's just a, a new chance. And we always said that one day we'd want to not know where the grocery store is. I mean, I grew up in Illinois, Naperville, and that's where I'd always been. And so it was just, let's try something new. And let's move to the desert. Why not? Yeah, I probably, and it's funny because once you do something, it's like the same as an entrepreneur, right? Once they open a company, they go, I want to open another one. And I want to, and it's the same thing with even doing something risky to relocate. It almost goes, that wasn't so bad. Right. Maybe so I'll so talk, do something else. So yeah. talk a little about some of the turning points, some of the inflection points that you've had since you started the biz. When I started the biz, I had a business partner. And I've come to realize that that is a very challenging thing to do when you have people that you're all in a business with. So I had a huge learning experience with that and ultimately had to rebuild. That doesn't sound positive. (laughs) No, no. And you know, what's really terrible about it. It was one of my friends that I had been, I mean, long time relationship with 15 year friendship that, you know, we are obviously no longer friends, which is terrible, but it's one of those things. It's a huge, huge learning curve. But when you step back out of it after it's all done and all the emotions and everything is settled, you know, you start looking at it and it's a very humbling experience, you know, and it's a very, you learn a lot about yourself. Right. You learn a lot about what you need to do in business and how you need to represent yourself. So, so, you. so that was, you know, as you said, a setback, humbling. Yeah. So how do you, in general, how do you feel like you deal with problems like that because there are setbacks there always will be you know especially as you start expanding your company across the country how do you manage those kind of you know roadblocks well i think as a new entrepreneur you need to understand that you're going to have them all the time i don't think i had that mindset when i first started i don't think that i ever thought that it would be year after year something crazy would happen right so get through that whole separation and then we started building our company we started getting clients And I was very much so working in the business instead of on the business. So the customer base was very, it was small. It was very focused on certain companies and had another setback where the company that I, my client restructured 
And we just watched our revenue go ooh, shrinking big time. And so again, it, these setbacks from having them and COVID coming and all of these things that have happened pretty much every year, there's been something that's like, right. that, was not, that was not planned this year. Right. Putting in Chicago or Detroit terms, it's the pothole you didn't see. <laughs> yeah. But you start understanding that that's part of it. And so how you respond to them, you prepare a little differently for them. So now you go, okay, I want to make sure that I'm safe with working capital. I want to have this and this and this. So you prepare for that. Right. So that you never have a downturn of staff or anything. But right. I think you just kind of accept the fact that they're going to come. And my whole thing now is trying to remain calm through them. And try to figure out a way and create a solution and not just take it all on by myself too anymore. So now I have people on my team that, you know, I say, this is what's going on. You know, what's your, how do you think we should improve this? What can we do to make this better? How do we get through this? And they talk and they love being a part of that. No, that's great. I think also you kind of, you built your own personal resilience. So now you're trying to make your company resilient. And so you mentioned you working on your business instead of in your business. I've heard that term and I know as a small business owner, I'm supposed to be doing the same. <laughs> Usually I'm working in it and not on it. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that. It was probably when COVID came that I started realizing again with that customer downturn, like I said to you in the beginning, nine o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning, working on shipments, sleeping on the couch, doing the accounting, this, that. So I was just very involved in every single function. I would see every email that came in. I, I mean, it was not micromanaged, but if I guess it was on some things because I just wanted to make sure that we were executing the way that I had told clients we would. And so this past year from COVID, I started realizing, okay, I got to network with people. I got to understand what other business owners are doing and how do I really take this to the next level? And so these conversations that I had, I joined Vistage. I don't know if any of if oh, you Oh, know. yeah. I know of it. So that's V-I-S-A-G-E. V-I-S-T-A. Okay. Vistage with the T. V-I-S-T-A-G-E. So that's like the owners groups, right? So all. Yeah, it creates a kind of a board of directors for you. And they call out your BS. You bring a problem to the group. And they, I mean, it's amazing. They go through every single thing. You get suggestions. They ask you questions. And it's like a great support group. And that was one of the things. I have a business coach through it. And so we have a monthly meeting. And again, it's her constantly keeping me on track on working on the business instead of in it. And with this past year of doing that, just changing since COVID, I mean, our company has grown significantly and the plans and the structure and the strategy, it's like, it's happening now. Now it's not just a, a wish, it's a goal and right. it's going to happen. And I know just from the conversations we've had, I know this, that you're real focused on having a great team. And I know you talk quite a bit about your team now. And that wasn't, when I first met you, that wasn't necessarily the case. I'm sure you had a team, but you talk so much more about, you know, my great team now and even your marketing people that, that I've worked a little bit with. And that's great. I'm good for you. That's why you're growing. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big turning point that, you know, owners need to focus on is empowering their team to take you to that next level. You cannot do it by yourself. So what has been some of the challenges and what did you learn while you're growing? Oh, we don't have that long to talk about all this stuff. I mean, it's a, constant, <laughs> it's a constant, you know, a constant of challenges that you come across. Some are small, you know, some are very, I mean, minuscule things too. Like I said, having relationships with current clients and having certain 
ratios of business and looking at the numbers and understanding what really makes your company tick. And then going basic too. I think sometimes we overcomplicate stuff, right? (laughs) We have all these great ideas. We want to make sure that let's throw out a survey and get all our customer feedback and make it this huge thing. And it it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. You know, it's if we stay on track as a team and we honor those commitments and we really execute for a customer, right? communicate and we live by those three pillars that we promise, you know, the communication service transparency, we won't lose a customer. We won't, we'll keep growing. And that's what we're starting to see now is we're getting references. We're getting, you know, other customers saying, Hey, work with this company. They I've never seen anything like it. And so for me being the owner of that, it's a humbling experience, but now I'm trying to tell my team and empower them to become the multipliers of that. Right. And how do they, how do they keep teaching others to really lead the candor way that is the evolving way, but it's still, how do we get everyone to kind of expand that mindset and right. take it to the next level? You mentioned candor and I know I asked you before, but I ask you again, uh, I know why you named it candor, but talk about that. Well, it does match my personality. <laughs> if you look at the actual logo, it's the word from the definition. So everyone thinks with that dot that I was trying to do something funny. I wasn't. It was just to show that that's straight from the dictionary. It's the syllables, you know, that separate it. Yep. Because I wanted to create a company that was based on being completely honest and forthright and blunt, you know, and in good ways, you know, like blunt right. doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. It, it can be where you're trying to actually not sugarcoat, help a client get an understanding and never uh, have to lie about anything. I don't want to be schmoozed when my expedite's going off track <laughs> or right. when I need something rescued off a dock. Right. Don't, yeah. don't give me sweet words. <laughs> Move my freight. It's the word of it is one of our values in the company, though. So we try to recognize, I mean, it's hard to recognize when people are being truthful because if that's all you ever are, you can't really call it out a lot. Right. But one of our values is ferocity, which is the same, being honest, being truthful, being forthright. And so, I mean, we don't have to tell stories to our customers. We don't have to tell stories to our carriers, Yep, our employees. I'm an open book. They can ask me questions and there's no, you get what you get, you know? I used to say uh, when I managed a 3PL every once in a while, someone would say, this happened or this happened. What should I tell the client? And I said, well, you know, when in doubt, just go ahead and tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. I hired someone once and she worked for a company and she started with us and same thing, had a breakdown. She goes, what do I tell them? And she couldn't believe. She goes, wait, we're going to just tell them that the truck broke down? I'm like, yes. And we're going to create a solution. That if they need us to repower it, we're going to transload, we're going to do something else. I think we've all seen it, though. What I always say is if something goes wrong, I like the idea of saying, okay, well, don't call them until you have a solution to that problem. Say, hey, your stuff is stuck here, but I I made a call. We're going to get somebody to pick that up. We're going to take care of it. It's going to be a little late. I'll tell you exactly how late in a minute. But as opposed to just going, hey, your stuff's not going to be there. Yeah, that, that yep. is not the candor I want. I want no. the candor of here's the problem, and I've already worked on the solution. I'll call you right back with it. Yeah, and I'll try to present. My team will try to present two things because there's some afraid that you can't transload or you can't right. do certain things with, and so it's under again that account familiarity side of things, like knowing your customer and knowing. Oh, what I, I of, see you can say it. Account and familiarity. <laughs> And my last podcast with you, we both struggled to say that. <laughs> yeah, 
So it's just nice to do that. And then you know how to take that course of action depending upon that customer. That is, you know, to any shippers listening, I always believe that account familiarity is so important. You have to make a commitment to somebody, find somebody you can work with like Nicole and say, I'm going to work with you and you're going to know us like the back of your hand. Because I think that one of the things that gets overlooked with when you say, oh, well, we just give it to whoever's lowest price. You never get account familiarity that way. You have to find somebody who is going to be with you day in, day out, married, not dating. <laughs> and they'll be there on Friday night at seven o'clock when you find you had a problem as opposed to if you're you know, in that transactional mode, you'll never get it. So let's talk a little bit about why your company succeeded. I know Ryan and I are both curious about, you know, lucky versus good. And I know just from what we've talked about, you kind of have these really good work habits. You have these and you're driven. So I think there's some good there. Talk about where you feel like maybe you got lucky. I think, I mean, it could be some of the customers that you come upon, you know, when they're in their time of need and you're trying to build your business and you make that one phone call and they're like, well, yes, I have expedites all the time. Right. A lot of that, you know, that sales part of things where you're getting things going is lucky. You know, it's that, but I don't. But it's not like you made one phone call and go, yeah, you know what? Freight sales is easy. I, I get lucky oh, and I just made, made, I made four phone calls, got four customers. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've never looked at the lucky side of things. I just try to focus on even the small wins, you know, like in our leadership meetings, I go, what's the win of the week for you? I want to know what those things are. So I don't really focus on that. It's just more of what are our efforts? What are our actions that we can have in our control that we can push us to the next level and create that strategy behind it. So that's how I look at it. I, a good question. Though. You're going to be pondering and I'm probably going to call you next week and go, <laughs> I well, realized this one moment I was really lucky. Well, it's interesting because I've heard that on another podcast, Guy Raz podcast, how I built this. He always says, were you lucky or were you good? And I always think, you know, it's a difficult question, especially people like yourself who clearly are good and you're driven and you have all these things. I kind of think the lucky is being born where you were to the parents where you're born to and that development where you say it wasn't, you know, enormous wealth. It wasn't just enormous talent of drive. And that maybe is the lucky part. Well, and I guess from you saying that, I'm very lucky that I have supportive people. Right. You know, that are understanding of the commitments that I've had right. and elevating me to keep driving forward because as a mom to twins, you know, and twin boys, oh my God, girl, you know, it's, <laughs> it could be very, very hard, but I have a great support system that even when they were growing up, my mom, she took care of them, you know, while I was at work. That's very lucky. I wouldn't have been able to push myself through my career without those right. support beams. I always remember the first time I felt really it was pure luck. Nothing I did to make it happen was when my first daughter was born. I was like perfectly healthy. Like, you know, wow, that wasn't like good job, Joe. You earned that. You did a good job making. No, <laughs> that was just luck of the draw. So after ever, now I think I'm lucky to have my health. I'm lucky to be born where I was and to the right people. And I've had to work hard, but the lucky part is I do have my health. And there's a lot of people who are not with health or raised by crazy people. Yeah. Those are things that are hard to recover from. But yeah. anyway, so talk about this imposter syndrome that Ryan is so interested in. Do you ever feel like you ever wake up and go, oh my God, I'm a fraud. This is, I've built this cool company, this great company, but I, this isn't really. Yeah. 
I feel like being an entrepreneur, you have to be somewhat crazy and a little bipolar. <laughs> it's one of the loneliest spots that you can have. And then it's also the most non-lonely spot that you can have. So you take on the weight of the world to make sure that I don't look at it as just how do I get my paycheck? I look at how do I get my employees to have paychecks who have husbands, wives, children. You know, it's like such a pressure sometimes. So I think, of course, I think it's natural to feel like, what am I doing? I really can't do this. Or how did I get right. here? What am I going to do next? And I only know what I know. And then the next day, you're like on top of the world. So I think it's normal. So the imposter part, though, is feeling like a fraud. You think that's this, that's one of a huge range of emotions that you feel as a, an entrepreneur, yeah. As a business owner. Yeah. I mean, I think you feel a huge range of emotions on everything as being a business owner. It's right. pride. One day you're so proud. And then the next day you have a crazy service failure and you're like, did I not teach these people the right <laughs> way? You know? So it's just, you. I think you're flooded by, at least for me, that's how I am. But I do try to take note when I'm in those thoughts of fraud. And I'm, I go, what is making me feel this way today? Right. I try to realize that that's not really how I feel. It just might be something, an event that's transpiring. Right. Yeah. So one of the things when we were talking about this, doing this podcast, Ryan and I, one of the questions that we wanted to ask is, have you ever been fired? And my thought was, yeah, everyone we talk to is going to say, I've been fired. <laughs> and you have not been fired for, right? No. And it's funny, I've, even as a teenager, when Come I, was on. Job, <laughs> I, I was going to quit. I got a job to make like $7 an hour. And I like walked into my manager's office and she was going to let me go. And then she goes, okay, just come back. And then even my first transportation job, we remember those big Nextel, those beep, beep, two-way phones? Right. <laughs> my owner had made me so angry that I like put my phone on my desk and I was like, I am done. I walked out and he came to my window and he knocked on the door. He's like, can we make up? Can you come back? I'll give you a raise. I'm so sorry. So I don't know. I mean, I've never been... I've never been fired, but I've... Well, you're young still, Nicole. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I hope I never have to work for anyone else to get fired. How's that? You might fire yourself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> never know one day. You probably promote yourself and uh, have someone else do your job. Yeah. I always think what Ryan said and what I've said is I've been in roles where I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And... And I knew I didn't belong and I was doing it. And you can't have that, all the things you've talked about, how excited and passionate you are about these cool things you're doing. You don't feel those because you're like, I hardly know what the hell I'm doing. And so getting fired in a lot of times was like a kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. They got me into a job that made sense. Other times it was just like, hey, that was just a stupid thing I was in. But I've been fired, but I have a lot of jobs. I worked in automotive for a long time and there's tens of projects come and go and always a new gig. And uh, sometimes you like day one, you're like, this is not a good fit. I'll be looking for a new job. But you don't look really until you go. Yeah, this one's coming to an end. I left and I just never came back. I worked at a gardening center and I had to like do all the pricing, like when people come to scan them out. And I didn't know the names of any of these plants. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? It was so hot outside. So I had my first day and then I just never went back again. <laughs> I haven't had anything else like that, but yeah. <laughs> well, so Nicole, give a little shout out here to your company. Again, who do you serve? And if someone wants to reach out, how do they reach out to you and your team over at Candor? 
Well, we are always available. We're a 24-7 company, so we can be reached via phone, which will be on our website. Our website is just candorexp.com. You'll see a new version from Sun Ant coming soon, up. Soon, soon, yeah. <laughs> Very professional look coming. But you can reach us by the website. There's a chat on there. Or you can just email operations at candorexp. Our company is definitely hiring. So I do want to say that because I am looking for individuals that can really help elevate us on the truckload side. So we're looking for additional white glove people in Plano, Texas, as well as in Illinois. People that have that consolidated line haul, final mile concept. So we're a growing company and looking to really elevate this team with some additional strong players to it. As far as pitch goes, again, that service-driven focused company to make sure that we're really helping our customers hit targets on everything. Right. And I, I will say also, Nicole, what I always like about talking to you in the last year or so is the uh, your team. Your team seems to be really into being at Candor. You seem like you've got a, a, a fun group I do. that wants to be there. <laughs> and that matters. I do. And maybe that's another part of my lucky, you know, is I do. That was, that was part of being good. Yeah. <laughs> the lucky part of that is I do have some really dedicated people that, you know, the phone's ringing at eight o'clock and they're already done with their shift and it was their shipment and there's a question and they're picking up that phone and they care. They really, really care. And you can't be any more fortunate as a business owner with every single person on your team caring. You built the right culture and that's not easy. Yeah. Well, Nicole, keep up the good work and thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing your story and the Candor Expert Date story. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me again. All right. And thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. I should also say this I'm going to put on YouTube also because now this is a Squadcast now records in video. And so uh, hopefully I'll be able to chop up some video and put that up there. So, or somebody will, certainly not me. (laughs) All right, Nicole, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Founder Studio. A couple quick things before you go. We're proudly hosted on the Logistics of Logistics Network. To hear more content from the industry's top leaders in supply chain and logistics, check out thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And until next time, onward and upward.